Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Tonight, we have a very interesting show. Uh, uh, David Gwerk uh, from the ADD Coach Academy is in our virtual studio. And uh, for an individual with ADHD who has been an ADHD coach and trained other ADHD coaching, uh, we did a recording of some of the insights that he had. And the focus of our show really is... um, uh, things that he learned later, ahas that he had that even he didn't know or he wasn't aware of for many years as a coach or a person with ADHD and a professional. Before we get into the details of the show, our program is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. In celebration of that event, we are uh, going to give away two copies of attention magazine in digital form. In order to get yours, all you have to do is um, listen to our show. We're going to share a secret word um, in the show, write it down. Uh, listen to another one of our shows for a secret word, write that down. Then send me an email with both secret words in it. The email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. And we will forward you a PDF copy of the current issue of Attention Magazine. And when the next one is printed, we'll forward you a PDF copy of that one as well. As I mentioned, this program is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. We've got a tip that we're going to share, and uh, then we'll get on with the show. Misinformation can be as deadly as the most serious disease and spread just as quickly. For years now, myths about ADHD have spread on the Internet and in social media. Chad urges parents to know the facts and get help for their children. ADHD is real. Without proper identification, treatment, and support, it can have serious consequences. Learn more at chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Tonight, we have a very interesting show. Uh, uh, David Gwerk uh, from the ADD Coach Academy is in our virtual studio. David is a master certified ADHD coach with the Professional Association of ADHD Coaches and a master certified coach with the International Coach Federation. He's also the founder and president of the ADD Coach Academy, known as ADCA, which is the first and largest comprehensive ADHD coach training program fully accredited by the ICF and Professional Association of ADHD Coaching, which is the governing body of ADHD coaching profession. He's the author of groundbreaking book, The Key to Creating a Life of Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities for Adults with ADHD. This is the best part, everybody. He was inducted in the 2016 International Chad Hall of Fame 
and was presented with the Founders Award in 2016 from the ADSD Coaches Organization. And I want to pause here for a second. He was inducted in the Chad Hall of Fame. Chad's been around for a long time, but he was the first coach that was actually inducted into the Chad Hall of Fame, formally filled with educators uh, and other mental health professionals. So it's really groundbreaking that he, he had made that particular mark. You can find a lot about David because he speaks, he talks, he's, he's all over the place. Um, you can find more about him by going to addca.com. And David, with that, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, it's wonderful to be here as always. Great spending time with you. So um, a little bit of a preamble to this. You know, it was interesting to me. I don't remember where we talked about it, but I think at one point in time, I said, you know, David, I, I've noticed there's a disproportionate number of people that I coach that are Jewish. And I don't know why it was. I don't really have any numbers on it. And you said, of course, Jeff. And I was like, yeah, why? He said, well, because it's our culture. We, you know, we study the Torah and we reread it. And we go deeper and we go deeper and we don't go deeper. And I don't know if this is accurate, but I think you had said that like 1% of the population is Jewish, but 25% of the Nobel Peace Prize are to reference that. And it was interesting to me. So as, as I began to unfold this a little bit, uh, you've been a coach, gosh, going back into the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And you, with ADHD, you've been very observant of your experience, and you studied this with mental health professionals as a coach and an educator. And so I thought it would be interesting just to get an idea of what you learned. So everybody, I had reached out to David, and I asked him, what is it? Since 2010, so in the last 10 years, so um, and he's older than I am, and I'm in my 50s. What have you learned in the last 10 years that stood out that you didn't get before? In other words, I really wanted to see somebody who had been doing this for a really long time that actually found some ahas down the road that they had missed before. And before we get into these. As I asked you that question to do that, can you just tell us about your journey as you began to ponder this a little bit? Yeah, and Jeff, I, I just got to backtrack for one second and answer your question about um, the Jewish part and and how it shows up in my tribe. And uh, in fact, if you read in the Bible, Moses and the Jews wandered around the desert for 40 years. So wandering <laughs> is part of our DNA. <laughs> I just had to get that in there. As a, I love it. I love it. Okay. So, so um, you know, when you ask me that question, Jeff, uh, usually I'm not a person that has a trouble responding to something, you know, especially verbally. But when you ask me that question, I really had to go and uh, pause and do a lot of uh, self-reflection on that because um, I think part of what having ADHD means we're so busy doing we forget to pause and be and go back and just pause for a second and um, capture how we've been living our lives and how we've been living our lives in the context of what we know and how we apply it. So when I did that, I started to think about what is it that I know about my ADHD that really uh, became part of my life in 2010, where it wasn't just the concept, it was I implemented, I took ideas and thoughts science and research and things that were important to me um, in teaching. And, you know, it's interesting. We always teach what we need to know. And what I realized, the things that I was teaching, I wasn't necessarily implementing to the degree that were impacting my life. And I think one of the big things that I found was memory, that um, 
I had to remember that um, I think a lot of people with ADHD fight this notion, oh, I don't have to write it down. I don't have to capture it. I don't have to create a prompt to remind me. And I think I was one of those people in my business life, do it, do it all the time. I'd have my prompts and I never messed up in that. But in my personal life, I noticed that I wasn't using memory to balance my life. So when I did a list, it was focused on business. Mm. And, and I would screw up in my personal life and forget appointments and forget things that finally, when I was talking with Marla, Marla made me aware, hey, you know, you're doing great in the business area, but in the personal arena, you're forgetting this, you're forgetting that. So I have to start to refocus and balance my list. Balance my list down. So I just want to slow this down for a second. So what I'm hearing you say is memory is not typically a strength of people with ADHD, particularly short-term memory and working memory. And it took you 30 years, 40 years to actually realize that you couldn't rely on your memory in your personal world? Yeah, yeah, it really did. Uh, Jeff, it, it most definitely did. And I think this was um, a pattern in most of my life where, um, where I was quote unquote successful in those areas that I deemed as the most important. You know, it's those areas that were engaging and interesting yeah. and stimulating. That's, that's ADHD. When you're stimulated and you're clear mm -hmm. and you know what you want, those are the things that you're going to get done. But the things in my personal life that were boring, like taxes, who wants to do that? Yep. It doesn't make you come alive. So those were the things that I was neglecting and I have to get done. And I couldn't let push those all on Marla, my wife. She, you know, it's not fair. Yep. So I had to backtrack. So I'm having a flashback um, from some of the interviews I've done with Dr. Russell Barkley, who talked about think of the ADHD brain as a two-level system. You have that automatic brain, and you kind of refer to a little bit that doing kind of brain where you're kind of on autopilot. And then you have the thinking brain, with the executive functioning brain. And he described it as being engaging your executive function is very effortful because you've got to override that automatic brain. And kind of what I'm hearing you say is, while you knew memory was an issue with the ADHD, um, both in your business life and your personal life, you didn't didn't really occur to you. In other words, you weren't self-regulating, pausing. <laughs> you know, you talk a lot about pausing. You weren't pausing and thinking oh, yeah. about how it's impacting your personal life, which was really one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show with a professional who works in this business to illustrate even after studying and being in this, you still have to pause and, and step out of yourself in a, in a bigger picture. And it sounds like you did that in the last you know, decade or something like that. And that's kind of revolutionary to think even you, it took that long to, 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 for that to click. Well, if you think about what you just said about uh, Dr. Barkley, you know, he always talks about challenge is a challenge of self-awareness. Mm -hmm. And um, the way we define coaching and coaching self-awareness is the ability to pause and pay attention to what you're paying attention and ask how that's serving you. Yep. And what I realized is, yes, it was serving one part of my life exceptionally well in business and the things that were important, but another part of my life yep. where I needed balance, it wasn't. And so, um, you know, for change to occur, you have to be self-aware first. Yep. Um, and this is a big, important thing with executive function. Um, first of all, the whole concept of executive function 
wasn't a concept to me 20 years ago. But today, today, paying attention is an executive function. Memory, all these things that we take for granted as automatic are in the ADHD brain are not always automatic. Some mm-hmm. things are. And if we look at it from the context of stimulation, excitement, inspirational, those things tend to uh, become more automatic than the things that are not. So it takes more work, it takes yep. more work, more systems, more structure to, to make that happen. Absolutely, absolutely. Everyone, I think we're going to ultimately see a theme through this one, uh, pausing and getting some self-awareness and actually thinking and observing ourselves in the act. So uh, that was a real interesting one. With that, we're going to uh, break uh, for some commercials. Our secret word tonight is student. Um, our secret word tonight is student. And um, to learn more about David Gwork, go to uh, addca.com. Um, and with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. David, another one that you said that you just recently learned, which is just, I really, really like this one, is breathing. The, the, the talk. What did you discover about breathing recently? Well, um, I thought it was a lot of BS for years, Jeff, to be honest with you. I thought, you know, people say breathe. What did that even mean? Yeah, I breathe. That's automatic. Why do I have to breathe? And, in fact, um, being an ADHD coach and uh, starting at, it really taught me to research the brain. It really taught me about biology. It really taught me the importance of oxygen. And it also taught me <clears throat> that we as a human race are not taught how to breathe deeply. So what it taught me is one of the things that is aligned with this, I know anxiety is a huge part of ADHD. Um, and, you know, in talking to many doctors, uh, psychiatrists, you know, they tell me the anxiety just doesn't go away cognitively. It's, it's part of your biology. It's part of your DNA. It's part of the way you're wired. And I, I, I believe that to a, a certain extent. But I also believe that, you know, with proper diagnosis and medications, it helps. But breathing is, you know, the pill doesn't give you the skill. And I think that one of the most important skills biologically we can learn is how to deep breathe, breathe deeply. And that means taking it through your nostrils so, I mean, so that your diaphragm goes out and then pushing it out with your mouth. And I never knew that. And it's made a huge – I mean, I can literally – uh, when I wake up almost every day, I feel it in my body, anxiety. And it's become sort of second nature. I don't let it make me sad, but it's hard, and I breathe. I breathe. Uh, um, 
because without that breathing, the anxiety takes yep. over and I can't look at life objectively because the emotion takes over. So it, breathing is very crucial. So breathing, it's such a simple thing. It is. But it's, there's, there's so much in here and it's so complex. The, when you stop and you breathe and you, and you focus in and out, it's, it's, it's a pause. It's a moment to regain control of your automatic brain. And I would totally agree with you. In this realm, I thought breathing was a bunch of BS. Now, back in my athletic days, oh, I can yeah. remember, you know, before getting on the blocks to swim, you just you would sit there and I'd just stare on the pool and I would just take a couple deep, really deep breaths and I would just sit there and focus and it would just release everything to kind of get my mind focused on what was going on. I didn't equate it to everyday life, but I think a lot of people with ADHD, they're running so fast that to actually breathe and, and get something from it requires patience and you have to pause, but it really allows you to regain um, your emotions and your composure because you have to be present in that moment, which is really the pause. Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of like we kind of skip over it and, and it, it is a subtlety, but when you start to look at, um, uh, like yoga and meditation. I mean, they go back to the breath. I remember interviewing Autumn Zatani years ago on how they Sesame Street used the Muppets to help children with self-regulation, specifically emotional self-regulation. And they talked about, they had the Muppets kind of, um, they used the Muppets to help the kids identify emotions and name emotions. And then when, the, when they would feel it and they could feel it in their body, you know, the first thing they would do was belly breathe and count to 10. And it, isn't it interesting that that's the first thing to do is when you catch yourself in that emotional sense is to take those couple breaths. And I think it's a small thing that's huge that most people with ADHD miss. And it sounds like to a certain extent, even you being professional and doing this really had the same problem, but you've come to really realize the power of it. Well, there's a piece here, Jeff, that I neglected to mention. And that's with ADHD is you have to take some processing modalities into account too because I can't just breathe and have a mindfulness practice because breathing allows for um, self-regulation. Breathing allows for emotional intelligence. Without the breath, nothing happens. But what I realize, I can't just sit there on a pillow, sit still, um, be stationary, and breathe in, in the lotus position. I had to do a moving mindfulness, mm -hmm. a kinesthetic. And the way I breathe every day is on a rocking chair. Mm -hmm. And I love my rocking chair. That's what grounds me, movement. And I, so uh, we don't breathe the way other people breathe. And, again, this is a story that I told myself that there's only one way to breathe. There's only one way to meditate because that's the way it was taught years ago. And, in fact, the brain is so uniquely wired that we can breathe the way that works for us. Like if I was in front of a meditation teacher, they would say, you must be still. Yep. And I would say to them, no, I must not. If I do it the way you tell me, I'll never be able to breathe deeply. So my whole life, that's the way our brains work. Yep. It just leads us to believe, Jeff, that being ADHD means you've got to explore the different ways yep. your brain works. You have yep. to, or it doesn't yep. work. Now I love mindfulness because I can do it on my rocking yep. chair. But can you imagine me sitting on a pillow and being stationary, Jay? Jeff, oh. you know me well. <laughs> it. It's like, that's a joke. I was uh, coaching a guy one time who uh, 
I don't want to go into detail, but he his 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 wife made him sit home and binge flip, binge watch Netflix, and he said sitting on the couch all day he was just crawling out of his skin because he was is so anxiety. Whereas when he was moving, it's okay. And, and I talked to Dr. Barclay about this, and he he disagrees with me. Um, and he's a smart guy, so we'll go with what he says. But I still think that. You have to regulate your attention. You have to regulate your emotions. And for some, you have to regulate your bodily movement in public. And it takes a lot of effort in order for you to focus and, and, and not and be still. Whereas if you're going to meditate and you really want to focus on your breath, sometimes you've got to let your body squirm and move to kind of let that go. So I'm not, I'm not, that's not science or research, but it's just a Jeff Copperism. But I, I, I have seen a lot of people I've coached with ADHD that really mirror David and, and it's okay to move and breathe at the same time. So, yeah, yeah um, we can't pay attention unless we understand that, Jeff. I agree and, with you. And it does, it does take, some effort to be present and to breathe. So to practice being present is practicing the pause. And, and hopefully the people that are listening are starting to kind of see how important this is. It, it, it's very subtle. It doesn't seem like much, but it's huge. Which I also have to remember when I was getting hypnotized one time, it was all about breathing um, in order to kind of get us there. So anyway, um, huge learning. Jeff? Jeff, there's something that's related to this. It might take us off track, it might not, but I believe there's a rhythm to everybody's ADHD. There's a tempo, there's a beat, just like music, um, that there's a certain beat when I have to breathe. There's a certain motion. Everybody's different, but I think there's a certain motion when I'm reading something. There's a certain beat, uh, certainly being playing, uh, playing college basketball, there was a rhythm and a beat to the game and the flow. And when that beat is off, it messes you up. Yep. It messes you up. So you you always have to take into account the 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 the, the rhythm of your heart, mm-hmm. the rhythm of the environment, and that rhythm. And so breathing is all about rhythm for me. Yep. Um, if I don't get that rhythm right, I ain't gonna breathe. Yep. Period. Absolutely. As an aside, I know you're a basketball player uh, from college and stuff, and you talk about rhythm. And, you know, I got to believe there's a certain rhythm to going down the floor and taking a jump shot or like a rhythm before you take a free, a free throw. So you're tapping into that rhythm and just kind of let that flow out. Yeah, it, it just, it just had a little flashback there. Is that, can you identify with that? Bingo. <laughs> um, you know, as I hit older, I'm 65, going to be in February. Um, I don't feel 65. That's one of the advantages of having ADHD. You and I have talked about yep. this many times. I'm still that 18-year-old kid <laughs> inside my head. Yep. Some days more than others, yep. but I've taken up tennis. Yep. And um, I've really gravitated to the game because that same kind of rhythm I found in basketball, I bring to tennis. Yep. You know, I'm not the guy standing still waiting for the ball to come. Yep. And that's a real advantage in tennis because you're on your toes all the time. You're ready to hit. And there's a lot of physics involved. So um, I think it's so important what I've realized is you really got to explore your ADHD. Sometimes I forget to do that. Let me try something different the way I work. And you have to understand how your brain works and your body works. This is why education is so important. But it's your own customized education, not the one that I have the book. The book just gives you maybe the blueprint to start with, but you got to create your own. Absolutely, absolutely. With that, we're going to uh, break uh, for some commercials. Uh, our secret word tonight is student. Um, our secret word tonight is student. And um, to learn more about David Gwork, go to uh, addca.com. Uh, and with that, we'll be right back after these messages. 
You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Another one you mentioned to me was uh, perfectionism, which is one that you didn't really get your head around until recently. Tell us about that. Well, you know, Jeff, I always used to think of perfectionism as a cognitive kind of challenge, a, uh, the story that we're telling ourselves. And it is to a degree, but I think, um, you know, we always have to check the story we're telling ourselves. We always have to check the internal dialogue. But one of the things in the arenas of perfectionism and Russ Ramsey uh, over at the University of Pennsylvania, Dr. Ramsey, who heads up the cognitive behavioral therapy program, he and I have worked together on research and a bunch of things. And um, in one of the research papers that he did on perfectionism, he um, positioned um, perfectionism as an issue of self-regulation. He mentioned Dr. Barkley again. And the issue around self-regulation was you know, being in the perfect mood, being in the, the just the right mood to be able to call somebody, to be able to talk to somebody. And I realized that my perfectionism was the cognitive piece years ago of if I can't do it perfectly, I won't do it at all. But when it came to um, having down times, bad energy, unless I was in the perfect mood, even realizing that if I called the person, even if I wasn't in the perfect mood, I wouldn't call them. So this required a huge pause. This required me to think about what Russ and I had talked about. And I saw it in a lot of my clients that if I know something's going to make me feel good and I'm not in the perfect mood, I have to work very hard to overcome that negative emotion in the moment and know that if I do call a friend, within a very relatively short period of time, just hearing their voice and talking, I'll feel better. It's like exercise, Jeff, uh-huh. taking that first step. <laughs> it's brutal, right? It's yeah. taking that first step. And that's how perfectionism is, is for me for emotion. And this is why the fact that emotion is not part of the DSM-5 makes me crazy because it's so much a part of ADHD. And we have to identify. So if I identify emotional intelligence, I have to identify it first. That's the first thing. So with the pause, I was able to do that, but I had to force myself, and this takes work, discipline. I had to force myself and have a prompt right in front of me. I know I'm going to feel better if I fight 
through this. Yeah. And that and that took away a lot of loneliness, a lot of sadness. And, you know, I, I love being around people, Jeff, just like yeah. you. But I was preventing myself from doing more of that because I wasn't in the right mood. I didn't want to yeah. drag other people down. And that's not the right attitude. It's not the right attitude. So one of the things that you had explained to me is in an area of that where you find yourself caught up in perfectionism, you leave prompts out to remind you of your successes, to kind of catch you um, to deal with that negative emotion. Is that right? Yeah. And sometimes I use things, you know, I'm a alliteration nut, yep. but I use words like perfectionism paralyzes progress. And I just yep. see that and it reminds me, oh man, I got a call. Yep. So it's whatever works for that person. Yep. So, you know, I, I, you know, emotions used to be a part of the diagnostic criteria. I think it was like 68 or 70 and they were taken out. We don't really know why we, we believe it's because oh. we couldn't really measure them. And, and I th all the researchers believe it should be put back in. But as I studied it, it's been interesting to me because I didn't really think of it as a part of ADHD and it's huge. And as I have studied it, I kind of boil it down to a reflexive reaction that you have. Like you go into the doctor's office and they hit you with that knee, that little hammer, your, your knee swings out. And the only way it's not going to swing out is if you actually were expecting it, you kind of inhibit it. And where I go with this is I talk to people with ADHD is like when you have that reflex and you go to an emotion, you jump over the thinking part and you go right to judgment or emotion or outcome. And what I'm hearing you say is you actually have reminders to stop you and engage your thinking brain to reflect on past successes, which goes back to self-regulation, the ability to pause and override that automatic brain and think. And it's interesting to me because we're talking about this as things that are just occurring to you in the recent part of your life and professional life, working with people with ADHD. And again, this is another where you're pausing and actually noticing yourself and doing something different. This is just fascinating to me. Yeah, well, Jeff, you said it right. I think a lot of people with ADHD, uh, there's a biological component and a psychological. The biological is if you don't pause, the emotional part of the brain, the limbic system, takes you into an amygdala hijack. You have to breathe. Take the, That's why mindfulness has become so important. I take five or ten deep breaths yep. um, because I know my prefrontal cortex will not be available. It needs that 25% of the body's oxygen to function. So if I don't pause and I don't breathe, my executive function yep. is non-existent. And what I realized, Jeff, for most of my life, I fought the emotion. I, I just, I didn't even identify. I just kept pushing and pushing. And what a waste of time it was to just keep pushing. So you're right. I had to bring that thinking part of the brain and the part that identifies the emotion. And that's not even enough. You know, yep. that just tames it. You got to have a path to go. So yep. um, that means <clears throat> one of the big things is being our own observers with, without judgment. And that's a hard one. <laughs> hard one you know, I, I, yeah, it's funny. I got a quote on my wall. Um, um, Self-observation is kind of difficult for people with ADHD. And, and Rick Green once said, many, many people with ADHD are poor at self-observation. 
which they find surprising because they're part self-observation. <laughs> but we go back to, we're, we're talking about these things that are occurring to you and the pause and stepping out and looking back and these things occurring to you, all the things that we're talking about uh, really relate to um, a little bit of self-observation. So I think the perfectionism is, is a really, really good one. And I like how you've reflected back and realized it's really one of, of emotion and when you think about what you've done to override it by putting um, you know, reminders of successes and past really goes back to the heart of some basic fundamentals things that work for people with ADHD. So David, we've been talking about these ahas that you've had later in life, being an expert at ADHD, having it and, and training other people. Um, why do you think, what was blocking it? What was it that prevented you from seeing this? Jeff, I think our ADHD engines always get us moving so fast and doing things that we just forget to celebrate. We just do. We forget to sit back. I know you do it. I know I do it. And all the people that are, are close to me in the ADHD world, we want to conquer the world yesterday, mm -hmm. especially the passionate ones. And what happens is we get so busy doing it and watching others get better and watching other people move forward that we're so inspired and excited by that, we forget to sit back and say, well, how do I fit into this thing? I think having ADHD, a lot of it's a selfless. Mm -hmm. we're, we, we really want to, we have kind hearts. I really do believe that. And we're just busy, so focused on helping the world around us and making the world a better place and helping everybody. And that's like a drug in and itself itself. And that drug keeps you going for a long time until there's a little down period where somebody isn't getting better and you got to start to look at it and say, well, wait a minute, why am I down? All these people are getting better. And you realize, Oh my God, I've forgotten about myself. Yeah. That question that you asked me caused me, you know, coaching is all about the pause. We have a, <laughs> we have a session and we pause and we forget to do it ourselves. You know, we teach what we need to know. Yeah. And I have to, this is a, this, this session with you, this interview is a reminder that I have to try to do this more than every 10 years. <laughs> and yet, and yet with that said, my life has been so wonderful. I've been so blessed. I'm not complaining. Mm -hmm. I just think that we always have to remember we can improve and get better that I can make the life around me better. So I think it's such an important lesson that although I thought I was doing these things, I was doing them outside of me externally, yep. not internally. And that's the only way we can do it. Somebody has to create something like a major question. You know, you and I are talking, and this happens a lot when you and I are together. We hit some mm -hmm. chord, and it really causes us to pause and think in a big, big way. Yep. This is a big, big thing you're talking about right here. Self-awareness leads to self-change, no other way. And we've got mm -hmm. to pause to do it, and that's what happened to me. I never paused to look at my own life. I was looking all around me. It's funny. Uh, after interviewing people for over a decade and interviewing all the experts and so much I've learned from Dr. Rosen Barclay. It's funny. I boiled ADD down to, um, you have the reflexive reaction to either go for the dopamine to feel good or the emotional. And the thing about both of those is you skip over the thinking part. And I've come to realize the single greatest thing for people with ADHD is actually hard to think. Yeah. And, it's about pausing and thinking really kind of what it's all about. And, you know, you and I talked about how much people with ADHD need to think out loud. They need to think externally. 
And, you know, as an interview, one of the greatest things is when you ask somebody a question and you tell you, you kind of got them surprised. Well, like I remember I, I was interviewing Dr. Kenneth Bloom one time and I said, Dr. Bloom, are we addicted to drugs? Are we addicted to dope? And he goes, wow, you're actually, nobody's ever asked me that question. You're correct. Everything we're addicted to releases dopamine. When I called you and I said, hey, can you reflect on this? I could, I could hear the silence in your email. <laughs> they were like, oh my God. And it took a while to come together. So at the end of the day, I really hope that those that are, that are tuned in and listening to this will take, take pause and stop and reflect. And, and as we had originally kind of started is there's, there's always deeper learning. Um, there's more self-awareness to kind of keep going. It's a journey. And the more you go, the better you get at it. And, you know, David, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm honored that you came on. I'm honored that you reflected this. I'm honored to have known you for so so long. And thank you for 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 being present on this uh, interview and for everything you do for the ADHD coaching community. You've helped so many people. Actually, the ADHD community in general. I just uh, hats off to you. Thank you so much. Feelings mutual, Jeff. I show throw it right back at you. Uh, so with that, everybody, I hope that you've enjoyed uh, these thoughts from uh, David Gore from the ADD Coach Academy. To learn more about him, go to uh, addca.com. And with that, uh, thank you for coming on our show. Thank you.